that brother. Start cleaning those tires up. Great to shine. Remember they fan out down there. So protect them bottoms. Sunday drive. All right, boss man. Face cars off. Be ready. Yeah, be ready. Gas that bitch up. Be ready. Be ready. Green flag. Green. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Inside Pass. It's uh, Monday night if you are listening to us live on PMN or uh, Race Chaser Online or uh, wherever you're listening to our show from. Greetings. Uh, it uh, is another uh, another night of the Inside Pass. Uh, I'm Randy Miller. Noah Lewis is sitting next to me. Uh, he's finally back from his one-week vacation. Uh, Tom's sitting next to him and then uh, Peter over in the Soman seat. Uh, Malik is pushing buttons for us. And uh, as we always do, we start the show off by going to our strutmasters.com hotline. And uh, bringing on our guest uh, for the night, excited to have him on the show, and uh, he is uh, hopefully going to do big, big things here in the next couple of weeks. Going to be driving some uh, selected races for Colleague Racing, including uh, hopefully running in the Daytona 500. Uh, Kaz Grala is on the Strutmasters.com hotline. Good evening, sir. Thank you so much for taking some time out to join us tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on tonight, guys. So, Colleg Racing and the attempted Daytona 500 first time in the in the Colleg car, first time Colleg has uh, tried to run the Daytona 500 in a Cup Series car. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are you are you happy, nervous, scared? What's what's your what's going through your mind right now? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm thrilled. This is a huge opportunity for me personally, and um, and and really, it's seeing hopefully a dream be able to come true or at least be able to attempt at that because uh, since I was a little kid, I've always watched the Daytona 500. So to, to be there that weekend and be a part of the, the scene and uh, and to have my, my name above the window on a car is going to be really surreal. So um, I'm excited for it. I am counting down the seconds and I'm really crossing my fingers that um, we'll be able to transfer either through qualifying or through the duels into the 500. But I definitely have a lot of confidence in Colleg Racing. They build fast cars. I mean, they've they've won almost all of the super speedway races in the last couple of years in Xfinity. And last year was their first year doing the Daytona 500 with Justin Haley driving, and they finished 13th in that. They locked in on speed and qualifying. So. Um, there's definitely a, a lot of positives and, and a lot of reasons to think that we've got a, a legitimate shot at making it into the race, but it certainly isn't going to be easy this year. There's a lot of big names and a lot of great teams trying to make the show as open cars, so we've got our work cut out for us, but um, I'm really looking forward to it, and um, hopefully hopefully, we'll have some fun on, on a Sunday. Well, I, uh, I've got to believe, Kaz, that uh, you're going to have a lot of uh, help there because, of course, A.J. Allmendinger has been in Cup. Uh, Justin's obviously uh, been at Daytona and uh, had some great success there. Um, so I know you're going to have a lot of uh, people around you to help you out, but um, you're no stranger to running super speedways with the trucks and Xfinity cars yourself. What kind of um, preparation are you doing right now for the race? And how do you feel like running the cup race, the actual 500 will be, will be different for you than running, say the truck race or the Xfinity race, other than the obvious it's the 500. Well, there's definitely going to be a, a lot of differences. I think the the cup field seems to approach the super speedway races a little bit differently than a lot of guys in Xfinity and trucks. Rather than just trying to survive the race, those guys pretty much get up there and dice it up and go for it right from the start the majority of the time. And not to mention, every single one of them knows exactly what they're doing and is very experienced at plate racing, which is something that 
most of the truck and Xfinity field can't necessarily say. So I do think that it's going to be a, a different type of race than what I've seen in the past on a plate track. Um, but at the end of the day, air is air. It moves the same way for everybody in every series. So I've experienced that at least, and so I'm happy about it. I feel like I have a general idea of what to expect, but it's one of those types of racing that you cannot prepare for in a simulator, yeah. really. You can't practice for it. What I have been doing is some I races on, on super speedways, and I'll continue to do that just to try to stay stay sharp and stay in that mindset. But um, as far as like the manufacturer simulators and, and what they have available at, at RCR, you know, those those types of simulators are not designed for, for plate race simulations. So it's definitely a little bit different. Um, and, and it's weird that there's this whole off season leading up to this race. So you have more time than any other race all year. And yet there isn't that much as a driver that you can necessarily do to prepare yourself training wise, besides just working out and um, staying on your diet all off season and all that that good stuff, which of course I've been on top of and think that um, I'm as prepared as I can be for it. But you mentioned I have a lot of good people to lean on. Everybody at college racing is extremely seasoned uh, at plate racing and proven winners. Um, Justin, AJ, the, the problem is they're not out there to help me. They can just talk to me. So I need people out there that'll, that'll work with me. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but I, I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of great Chevrolet teams and, and uh, a lot of a lot of cars running off the RCR campus as well that I think we'll all be able to work together. So um, hopefully we can find uh, ourselves near near some of those guys in the duel, and, and that might help us a bit. Yeah, Kaz, it's no surprise that you're getting this opportunity. Let's jump back last year uh, when you hopped into the RCR Cup car. Um, obviously some unforeseen circumstances there, subbing him for Austin Dillon, but um, coming into the Daytona road course and then finishing seventh, a top 10 in your first ever cup start. These are the guys you've probably looked up to for a long time and you're jumping in there, mixing it up, leading laps. Um, talk about what kind of experience you gained from that, what you can take over now, focusing more on a road course and super speedway schedule and, uh, and just how much confidence that gives you knowing that you have what you didn't know was going to come last year, uh, that experience under your belt. I think the confidence piece is, is huge. And, um, I've, I've been guilty of it myself and not believing like, well, what, what does momentum and what does confidence really affect in racing? You know, it sounds like a myth. It's like the vortex effect, but it really, (laughs) it's legitimate. It, it does something. I think it changes the way that you race in the, in what you can do behind the wheel when you feel like you can do it. You'll take more risks. You'll be faster. You'll do more. So I think that race for me is, is huge. Um, even though you really can't have, much uh, more polar opposite of racetracks than a road course versus a super speedway. Mm -hmm. They are totally different, but that confidence piece is big. And you mentioned all these guys I've looked up to. I've watched on TV since I was a little kid. They have so much success, so much experience, huge names. That's hard to get out there and race with those guys the first few times and think that you can be competitive with them. But I was able to show myself that, hey, okay, I can do this. I can race with these guys. Now I know that. So I think that helps uh, ease some of the the nerves going to 500 weekend and feel like, all right, I 
I feel like I belong here. I think that I can race with these guys up there. So now it's just time to, to go out and, and try to do that. So um, I'm definitely kind of springboarding off of that debut and hopefully carrying over some Daytona luck. I've had good races at Daytona for some reason in every series. Um, it's just something about that place, no matter what the track configuration, seems to just work for me. So I'm really hoping that whatever it is carries through at least just one more weekend for me. Just keep the good luck a little <laughs> bit longer. That's what I need. Kaz, Noah already mentioned your strong cup debut and the strong result you had under such unforeseen circumstances. Do you think the strong result that day really put you on the map as term, in terms of a potential cup driver and saw your stock rise among potential team owners or sponsors? I absolutely think so. Uh, I mean, before that, I was a, a part-time Xfinity racer, and I think that's kind of what people thought of me as. And uh, I'd like to think that I, I did well for my limited schedule, um, but at the end of the day, you would be considered for Xfinity rides as a part-time Xfinity racer. I, I, I didn't think I was on the map for any cup rides, honestly, and I doubt that anybody else did either. But all of a sudden, you go out in a cup race and you show everybody you can do it with those guys. To me, that changes everything in terms of a driver's stock and, and what people would consider them for. And I think that proves that, that I can do it with those guys. And so why not consider me for some cup opportunities? And that's exactly what happened. I, I had a lot of conversations over the off season with, with different teams, organizations, uh, about some, some cup possibilities. And a lot of people had, had interest. And really, the, the colleague move, just it makes the most sense. It's the best fit. I've worked with those guys indirectly being at RCR, which is a corporate partner of theirs, <clears throat> the last couple of years, I've gotten to know everybody over there well, and they've gotten to know me. I know what they're capable of. Their cars, you know, we're basically teammates. So um, to, to move over there, still work with essentially all the same people that I have been already, uh, I think is really going to help ease the transition. And I mean, anytime you move to a new team and definitely a new series, you know, you've got the little the bugs to work out, the communication, figure out how to mesh well together. And when you're running part-time, that all kind of has to happen very rapidly. So I think the fact that I'll be working with people that I already have a, a working relationship with, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll just smooth that, that transition right over. And um, I guess we don't have much time because we got practice and qualifying on Wednesday. We better... We better have our stuff together on Thursday because we need to make sure we're in the race. So we don't have much time, but uh, I think we can all do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Rison and all the guys at Collar are good friends of the show that they've been on the show many times. And and I think uh, Tom and, and even Noah and Peter can also attest to how close-knit that team is over there, how much of a family that they all are, and, and how much they will not only welcome you onto the team, but basically become part of the, the family that, that Chris Rice has created over there. Um, and so we definitely uh, want to wish you the best of luck, uh, not only with uh, your potential to run the 500, but also um, all the things that you're going to be doing uh, this year. We, we wish you uh, much great success, and uh, we want you to come back on here uh, many, many times after you win uh, races and uh, uh, get a full-time opportunity. Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, they really are. It's a family organization over there. It's got a great, great feel, great environment. And they've definitely welcomed me with, with open arms. Yep. So not only 
do I hope we'll do great things on the track this year, but I know we're going to have a lot of fun while we do it. So it's definitely a good place to be. And hopefully this year in these, these races that we do together will be the, the start of, of a long-term relationship because uh, it's, it's an excellent place to be. Cass, we, we certainly wish you the best of luck and uh, good luck at the, the, with the 500, and uh, we will see you uh, again uh, real soon. We are going to take a break. We'll be back with more of the Inside Pass right after this. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Do not provide them with any form of payment or information. Report the call at oig.ssa. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Hello, race fans. This is Chris Wright. Thanks for listening to these guys. Some great radio hosts. You're listening to the FI Pass. 
Hey, Chris, your driver was just on just a minute ago. Welcome back to the Inside Pass. Uh, Randy Miller, Noah Lewis, Tom Baker, Peter Strada, uh, Malik pushing buttons for us. Our uh, debate-style format uh, starts uh, right now with round number one. Uh, as as you, you guys probably know, there, we, none of this makes any sense to anybody here, um, but... It's my show, and I can do what I want. So I score points based on whatever I'm feeling tonight. <laughs> that's a sailman line there. That's, that's how this works. It's, it's kind of like an organized Daytona train wreck. That's pretty much how we're going to organize this. So Tom has the buttons. If you hear random buttons periodically during the course of the segment, it's because he either likes what he heard or didn't like what he heard. He's a bu- he has a button for each. So Melek is going to be our moderator. He'll ask the questions. Uh, Peter will start, and we'll just go counterclockwise or clock. Counter, yeah, counterclockwise. I'm over here on the corner, and this, like, I have this little corner area of the desk, and somebody who's six feet tall does not need to be sitting. So, are you going <laughs> first, or is Peter? Going Peter's first? going first. Oh, okay, that so makes me nervous. I've never yeah. not gone like first or second, yeah, so now well. I'm nervous. I'm getting the scraps. But you give him take yeah. a week's vacation. All yeah. right, go ahead. <laughs> Wayne Taylor Racing wins the Rolex 24 for its third time in four years. How impressive is their streak? I think it's very impressive, and they've won these four races across two different manufacturers the previous three times they had cadillac dpis with full factory support from gm and this time they had the old penske acura cars and a relatively new team with some new drivers they brought on board elio castroneves and alexander rossi this year and this just shows how cohesive a team how just overall stronger group they are over there at Wayne Taylor Racing to win four of five. I think it's one of the greatest streaks in the history of this race. The streak is very impressive, but having Wayne Taylor in victory lane say, uh, yeah, I might have had just a touch of vodka there in the closing <laughs> laps, and Elio Castroneves in victory lane doing, well, Elio Castroneves things uh, was even more impressive. That was a big statement uh, from those guys, and uh, it was a, I think that was a fantastic 24-hour race, and I'm sure we'll talk about uh, some of the other cars later, but the streak was very impressive. I just thought victory lane was extra impressive oh yeah not only the vodka but the oopsie drop of an f-bomb within the nbc interview as well and uh, <laughs> you can tell nerves were still yeah. just as high in victory lane as they were when he climbed off that box but yeah very 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 impressive just about as impressive as my karaoke would have been if melek had uh unmuted our mics coming back from break there so uh, At least you weren't singing Pitbull. That's a lot, yeah. Oh, no, I was. Well, you earlier. were singing well, can, Randy Bachman. It's not that high of a standard. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my question is, is that if you, if you knew he was doing vodka, you knew he was taking vodka shots you know, before the interview, why would you continue... <laughs> like, why would you continue pushing your buttons exactly. knowing that something bad, nothing ever good happens when you have vodka and then you have a, a microphone and a, a camera That's when in you say, face. well, we actually have to cut to commercial. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we're out of here. Very authentic victory lane. Well, and it makes me wonder if he only did that so he could understand his drivers better when they talk. <laughs> I'm thinking, I think that gets a point. The vodka might have helped him a little bit. But anyway. How respectable is the finishing positions of Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott? I mean, Jimmy's finished second in the Rolex 24 two previous times, and this time with the Action Express Ally 48 uh, Acura, excuse me, not Acura, Cadillac, he finished second again. So tied his best finish in the race if, like we said just off air, if Kamui Koyabashi did not spin late in the race in the closing hours. Yeah, really. <laughs> Bless me. Uh, if that car did not spin and going into turn one a couple hours later in the race, then they could have been closer to Wayne Taylor late in the going. But still, second place is beating a lot of cars and a very respectable finish. And 
As for Chase Elliott, the car just had a mechanical issue late in the race, and just there's nothing you can do about that is racing. So you had three professional road course racers in the 48 car and Jimmy Johnson, who probably doesn't do nearly as much. And two of those professional road course racers spun the car and Jimmy Johnson didn't. (laughs) That, to me, is the impressive stat of the race. Uh, I thought Jimmy did a great job. Chase also did a great job. He was very down on himself after his first stint, but um, by the end of the race with a car that wasn't in contention, but certainly was still plenty capable of fast laps, Chase went out, and I think he kind of found his groove a little bit. Um, it was great to see both of them in the, in the race, and and I think you're going to see them both back again next year, I would guess. Yeah, copy-paste all of that. Um, you know, it was great to see <laughs> It was great to see uh, Jimmy, and, and Jimmy's doing everything he can right now, especially on road course stuff because that's what he's doing on the IndyCar side so any experience is experience and uh and chase elliott of course the mechanical issue he was like he said down on himself in the first part of that race but he did come back to run uh more consistent and he was more proud of himself by the end of the event and did say express how much he did want to come back so very respectful yeah chase is so disappointed he didn't win the roll race he's gonna go run the usac sprint car instead down in florida um <laughs> this week because he, he wants to go run sprint cars chase so is running everything chase is running everything these days um with jimmy it, it makes me wonder if jimmy gets disappointed when he walks into the shop at, at hendrick and sees uh gordon's rolex trophy and stuff sitting in the oh, so shop. close he's like, <laughs> so many oh, times. i got second twice i want to win the trophy well i think um, he but, said he'd run it again too right he said he hoped to be back next year or something like that yeah yeah so i, I mean you know respectable job anytime a nascar driver does something out of the ordinary you know it, it makes you stand up and take notice and obviously i mean those two guys are the uh, epitome of, of what you know being a superstar nascar driver is like and you know eventually i think both of them if, if chase wants to continue trying to run the rolex eventually he's going to get his trophy too jimmy actually led he did yeah. for a while okay and, and so think about how quickly he adapted to that car and mm-hmm. then ask yourself what should we expect from him in the indy car uh, yeah yep. absolutely remarkable uh-oh. Turn your mic oh, on. I didn't Ellen. have my mic on. I, had to, oh, I got to turn my mic off over here when I click <laughs> all the buttons. The moderator there. doesn't get points, luckily. <laughs> luckily, yeah. I got to turn my mic off when I'm over here clicking buttons so you don't hear all the clicking You've noise. You've been taking vodka, too? Yeah, I got vodka in my water here tonight. I'm sorry, folks. Um, don't drop any F-bombs. Yeah, don't F-bombs in the studio. What you mean? Don't drop the fun word? No, oh, okay. that's because that's, exactly. <laughs> that's what we're supposed to be having yeah. tonight. I got nervous for a second. My eyes were big. What current cup driver would you like to see run the Rolex 24? For drivers who have not run this race, I'd love to see Denny Hamlin, three-time Daytona 500 champion. I'd love to see what he could do in a DPI car on the road course because think back to the cup race on the Daytona road course. He was a very, very close second to Chase Elliott, so he nearly won the inaugural cup race on that course. I'd love to see what he could do in a sports car on that course. And I'll give a little caveat to this answer. I'd love to see Kyle Busch in a DPI actually up front contending among the race-winning capable cars because last year we saw him in the GT class where he wasn't much of a factor for the overall win. Hmm. I've got the definitive answer here. I want to see a colleague racing entry into this with A.J. Justin and Kaz Grala, who, by the way, all qualify as cup drivers at this point. Very true. That is true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I would. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Blaney uh, go ahead and attempt the twenty-four. Yeah. Um, he's got success. He's got a win over at Charlotte Roble. He knows how to get some stuff done on road courses, and uh, and I think Blaney would be a good good candidate to uh, 
hop in one of those cars. I like the idea of college racing. I, I think a Hendrick, uh, an all Hendrick uh, entry Ooh. would be nice too, mm. with Ooh. Larson, and Bowman, and, and Byron. Byron. Byron's Chase got Elliott, yeah. core skills. Yeah, I think that'd be. Don't awesome. forget Chase Briscoe either. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd yeah. be a good yeah. one too. I mean, that's I love the trend of these younger drivers wanting to go do these other things. Even Fast Pasta would be good, I think, running the twenty. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That'd be fun. Sure. Since it looks like we're going to have a little extra time in here, we'll just do a rapid-fire one real quick. I'll talk in there. Other than a cub driver, who do you want to see do it? What other driver? Oh. So if you don't get to choose a cub driver, Xfinity or trucks, who's your one guy? Oh, Does Chase Frisco still count as Xfinity? Cause <laughs> no. <take> him. <laughs> as of December 31st, no. No. <laughs> All right, then I'll go with Justin Allgaier because he's proven his worth on road courses in Xfinity, and I think he'd be up front in the right car with the right team contending for the win of the Rolex 24. I'm going to take a long shot on this and say I would love to see Sam Mayer, who is going to be an Xfinity driver this year. I'd love to see him in the uh, 24 because he has got some serious road course skills for someone so young. And I think that's going to be a scenario where we could see him pull off a win for Junior Motorsports in the second half of the year. Are we counting Austin Sendrick as cup driver? Oh, <laughs> No, well, he said any driver other than Cubs. Okay, so yeah, Austin you got Sender. It. That's yeah. the that's I think the that's the, that's the answer, answer yeah. there. Yeah. I don't know why he was left on the. I was like, yeah. are, am I missing something? Or no, yeah. Austin Cindric for sure would put on a show. I mean, he puts on a show. In no anything. doubt. He, when he, he wasn't even. I, I didn't think about that until you said it. My, my thought was Christian Eckes. So I, I get I extra points for that one. No, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just he's, <laughs> Christian's technically on the sidelines. I, I can't right do half now, a but, point. But there again, look at how many drivers we just named that aren't in Cup but still are great road course racers. That says a. It says a lot about what's to come for, yeah. for our series. I mean, yeah. we have more road course races. Uh, we have more road course drivers. If NASCAR was to hold its own version of the 24-hour race, what venue would you like to see it held at? You'd, I think you'd have to go with a Roval, whether it's Daytona or Charlotte. And I know this wouldn't exactly be a 24-hour race, but I'd love to see a race with the Cup, Xfinity, and Truck playoff drivers all racing together in a multi-class race. At, at the same time. At the same time. In their respective vehicles. Yes, exactly. That would be very cool. It would be cool to see. <laughs> Watkins Glen International. That's where I'd like to see it. I think that would be an amazing 24-hour venue, but Daytona would be the obvious choice. Well, I'd say if it's NASCAR's own deal, then we got to go to NASCAR's backyard over to to the Charlotte Roval and, and see what we can put on there. Yeah, I, I was going to say the Roval, too. I, I just figure, again, if you're going to do it in NASCAR country, you might as well do it in their own backyard. But, I mean, there's sure. so many road course races, that, so many road course facilities that you could do it. You know, I see rain comes to mind, you know, Laguna Seca, uh, Road Atlanta, uh, Road America. I mean, um, you know, there's so many different tracks that I feel like would make mm-hmm. a good uh, a good track to run a 24-hour race on. Road America would guys, be so. I think Road America would be very good. Yeah. yeah Big, sure. wide track. Yep. That's a great question. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great question to ponder too. I, I mean, obviously, it would never happen. And as we get, you know, with each year of the Rolex, we get more and more NASCAR guys, in, and it's pretty much fifteen fifteen NASCAR. <laughs> and you know, I IMCA guys at this point. But it's just, you know, I I feel like you have to pick a IMSA. IMSA. You'd have yeah. to pick a um uh a road course. I got I, oval. Obviously, wouldn't work. It'd be like more like an endurance race. You would find oh, on a local Saturday yeah. night dirt track mm-hmm. at that point, and then. You know, would you throw out the caution flags just wherever they sit? You know, <laughs> like a like a true endurance race would be. Yeah. Um, but you know, with the speeds and stuff, it'd be kind of hard to do. That'd like be that, scary. But it would be very scary. But it'd be very fun to, to think about. You know, about the what ifs. That's for sure. All right, round number two is uh, coming up after the break. Uh, Noah and Peter are tied. Oddly enough, uh, oh. I don't know how that happened. We got to get with somebody on that math. Uh, we'll be back with more of the inside pass <laughs> right after this. How to be a great dad in fifteen seconds. 
Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. I'm Chase Elliott, and you're listening to the Inside Pass. Welcome back to the Inside Pass here on the WSIC. Randy Miller, Tom Baker, and Lewis, Peter Strada all uh, sitting around the round table, and uh, Malik pushing buttons for us. We were talking about the over-unders on how long everybody lasted for the Rolex 24, and, and uh, Noah won. Yeah, he made it to, did you well, make it the entire way? No. I didn't. I, I slept for a couple of hours um, from like 7 to 11, uh, but it would make sense that I made it the longest, I think. I don't know. <laughs> 
Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> the funny right. thing Hold is on. Ne- negative four, points for him. About four. <laughs> about four a.m. Noah's like, oh, this is getting harder. I'm just like, man, I'm I'm fifty three, and I'm I, I figured I'd be out by now, and I'm wide awake. I know. Every everybody What's up was with you Everyone was casually dropping like flies. First we had Peter and Tom, <laughs> and then Tom finally left me around five, and then I said, well, there's nothing to. St-. Actually, what made me go to sleep was Peter texting me at around six and yes. says. Hey, I'm I'm up now, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, he slept and gotten up, and I'm still awake. I'm going to sleep. Like this is insane. I went to bed around two thirty and set an alarm for six, so about four hours of sleep. But my, you voluntarily went yeah. to bed. I was getting pretty tough. Mm-hmm. My pick he's, one though. He's my the only one, one of the group that didn't, didn't wake up in a strange place. Tom walked me into picking Wayne Taylor, and it won. So I'm happy. <laughs> I was trying to make it until 3 when it went off of TV and back on track pass, but not quite. Speaking of back on track, take us away. <laughs> right, round number two is, uh, is uh, up now. It's in, uh, we'll send it back over to Fred. HMS unveiled the first colors for Kyle Larson's Nation's Guard car. This scheme is a throwback to Ricky Hendrick. How excited are you, how excited are you to see this on track? It's a decent scheme. I'm looking at it now. I like that shade of green that's on it, but I just wish they would have used the color more. I get that it's a throwback to Ricky Hendrick and Brian Vickers. It's kind of the Nike swoosh that's not a Nike swoosh scheme, which looked cool on William Byron's car with the right colors last year. But on this, if I'm grading it, it gets a B or a B-. minus. But excited to see it on track. Yeah, I'd love, I'm really excited to see Larson in a Hendrick car, and I'm sure he'll kick butt in this scheme. I'm going to give it an A because I think it's an awesome scheme. I do wish they'd put more green on it, but uh, just because that's my favorite color. But I, I think it's very well done. It looks great, and I think it's the perfect way to bring Kyle back with a Ricky Hendrick tribute scheme. Yeah, I'm going to give it an A plus because I really just like how different it is. You don't really see many cars of this sh- shade of green and then the, the black. And like we said, it's a it's somewhat of a throwback type of uh, scheme, but it's his own. It's it's Kyle's own uh, throwback, and, I, and I've really, ever since I've seen it, I've liked it. So I think it's one of the better Hendrick schemes that we've seen. You know, you can make this car 18 shades of purple. It wouldn't bother me because the fact that he actually has a sponsor that came on board and decided, you know what, I'm not going to listen to anything that anybody says. I'm going to go with it, and we're going to see what happens. And mm-hmm. they went on board with, with Kyle yeah, Larson, absolutely. and that's uh, that's all you can ever ask for is – Hold on, I'm I'm reading something real quick. Hang on, I I said I I suspect I'm going to have to do my best sealman impression. Yeah, we got some not so good news. I'll go ahead and let Randy oh, toss it well, if he I'm wants to. That, it's up then. to you, there, buddy. Yeah, if you this, say this it. is a wait. This is off of it's off of Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah, from Beard Motorsports. It is uh, with profound sadness that we announce the passing of Mark Beard Sr., president of Beard Motorsports. Uh, Mark was passionate about racing and the business he built with his family, and even though he will be terribly missed, his work ethic and kind heart lives on with the many people he influenced. While the family requests privacy at this time, they want to reaffirm Beard Motorsports' commitment to compete in this year's Daytona 500, but the team will race in Mark's honor. Wow. That's too bad. Uh, Let me tell you, if if anyone thinks that uh, Noah Gregson is not going to rise to the Mm -hmm. occasion and be even more determined, because I know Noah well enough to know what a big heart he has, Mm -hmm. and um, he wears his emotion on his sleeves, and they have got absolutely the right driver to to go out and put him in the fire. Talk about determination. That's the perfect way to put it. I mean, this is what brings a the desire of a team more so than anything it's horrible um the news is very horrible but 
uh, this will push them more so than anything could just to get out there and perform their best. Yeah, our prayers and condolences to uh, the family. JTG will run the 37 as an open car with no charter, and Priest will run at least 24 races. Thoughts on this situation? I hate it for Priest. He's such a talented young driver. He came from the modified scene up north in Connecticut. Not many modified drivers have made it to the Cup Series, so I was excited when he came on board for the Cup Series a couple years ago. And just his career is really at a crossroads, and I fear that he'll have to perform this year. And in an open car, there's a chance he'll miss multiple races this year. So got to get two thumbs down to this news because Brian Priest, he's a bright young driver who I think is very talented, and his future is so in doubt. I think this whole situation is, it just shows how, in, in at least from the standpoint of the fans, how completely bogus this whole charter situation has gotten. And I think that it proves that NASCAR needs to take an immediate look after this year. The charter was supposed to help. It was supposed to be an asset for the teams to be able to get longer-term partnerships. Where in the wide world of sports is that notion in this situation when JTG loses a charter because some guy who's not even involved in the sport, as far as I know at this point, takes that charter and goes and gives it to another team who then gives it to another team for this year. So, no, I'm not impressed at all, and I think it's a shame for Ryan Priest. I don't totally blame JTG, but NASCAR's got to look at this because I think it's a mess right now. Yeah, it's it's really hard to comment on without knowing the details of what they're going on. I mean, we had Matt Tipped and Parker Kligerman both on Twitter um, this past weekend trying to explain to a fan that had asked about it and, and actually saying that, I mean, Matt Tift was one to say that he, you know, it, it's a misconfused concept because he loves the, the, the value that a charter brings and the same for Parker Kligerman. Um, so... And they said it's working more so than they thought. Um, it's working into what NASCAR has planned. So, uh, so it's hard to hard to really say. But you know, it's um, for for Priest, it's not a good deal, of course. And and for what what's going through in that situation, it's no good deal. Um, and we hope that he did, can. Run did you just say misconfused? Uh, misconfused. Did I say misconfused? This George W. Negative Bush point. moment brought to you by Noah Lewis. Whoops. <laughs> Randy, negative points. You know, I don't even – I want to just give all of his points away at this point. <laughs> what in the world what kind of word – where did you go to school? Well, you know – where do you go? I, would, I, was, you go? I was reading at the same time I was talking, and, I would and, offer you and we know we all know how that works out for you most of the time. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. My name you is Luca. What? I walked into a door again. You know what? I wasn't walking this. He's time. sitting still. I can't even talk when he's sitting still. I don't. No I don't there's no involved. hope for you at this point. No. Do you want to answer the question, Randy? I wasn't even know that? what the question was again. Hold on. Let me let me let me go back and look. Oh yeah, about it was about to, about the charter system. Yes. Yeah, that all I'm going to say, we had Bob Pockers on last. Because he can't even explain it to you. Well, so. he, explained he explained it. I just it didn't. I, I don't totally. I know. I think he explained what NASCAR intends it to be. Right. I don't think it's what NASCAR intends it to be anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. Dale Coyne Racing and Rick Ware Racing are joining forces to run in the IndyCar Series in 2021. Thoughts on the partnership and what it means for the competitiveness for both teams. See, that's a word. 
If it means wow. another full-time IndyCar to make the grid and races outside of the 500, I'm all for it. Because outside of the 500, IndyCar is a real issue with cars showing up and competing for the full season. Typically, they've get gotten 20 or 25 cars. And if it's one more, then I'm all for it. And with how specif- how spec racing IndyCar is, I think that if they put a competent driver in that car, they could turn heads and, hey, maybe get top 10s, maybe get a surprise podium. Read the question again. I want to I want to make sure I understand exactly what the intent is. Dale Coyne Racing and Rick Ware Racing joined forces to run in the IndyCar Series in 2021. Okay. Thoughts on the partnership okay. and what it means for their competitiveness for both teams. Well, given that uh, the talk was that Roman Grosjean and Cody Ware will fill the seat in that car, um, I think it's a very interesting, if not a little bit perplexing move here. Um, I mean, I'm thrilled for Cody to get a shot, but I don't know where his experience base is that you, I mean, and it would be interesting to see Roman Grosjean, and I know Coyne wanted him. Um, I think it's great that that they're doing this. Uh, I just don't know if I quite understand other than just to offer more uh, places for sponsors to be put, more diversity, I don't really know what they're trying to do. It's misconfusion. It's yeah, it's really misconfusion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't. We won't really know what exactly it looks like until we see it out on the track, of course. But um, we hope the best. I hope the best for them, and and that that will bring uh, some success. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm like Peter. As long as it equals <clears throat> are you misconfused? No, no, not this time. Um, <laughs> as long as it brings more cars. But now you miscombobulated me. Oh, thank you. That's a word. I think whatever. Everybody's missing today. Spell discombobulate. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, anyway, as long as it brings more cars on the track, I'm all for it because you know that's what we need: is more cars, more sponsors, more teams, more drivers. Ty Dillon is set to run a partial schedule in the JGR Xfinity car, splitting time with Ty Gibbs. Does this seem like Grandchild has gone rogue? I think the Grandchild's definitely gone rogue if he leaves <laughs> one of the legacy Chevrolet teams and goes to a Toyota. But ultimately, Ty Dillon needs to be, prove his relevance again in the sport by winning. I think he's stepping into the strongest car in the Xfinity series. And I really hope that in 2021 he gets his first NASCAR national win in seven years. The fact that I made them two laugh, I gave myself a point. <laughs> well, I think that was the first time Red had read the question. And when he got there, he was like, Great. Yeah, I was kind of like, what? <laughs> Listen, it's a mis- <laughs> mis- uh, misconfused. He looked misconfused. Yeah, I was definitely confused. Like, what? Coming up at eight, grandkids gone rogue. NASCAR edition. <laughs> I. I don't even know. No, I don't think he's gone rogue. I think it's great for Ty to be able to go. Look, this is the best opportunity Ty Dillon's ever had. Um, arguably, I mean, RCR's Xfinity program certainly is a championship program. He, they proved that. But um, but this is a great opportunity for Ty because I think it could lead potentially to maybe something else in Cup if he can go and show well. I think this could could revitalize his career in a way that nothing else he could have gotten could have. Real quick, no. Urban Dictionary says a state of being misguided and confused at the same time is misconfused. So. All right, fine. You got us. Just don't try to spell it with Scrabble. We're going to take, gonna take a break. <laughs> we're back score. with more of the inside pass in just a minute. Hopefully, as long as we don't get kicked off. The okay. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. 
Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome, pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, my name is Eric Jones, and you're listening to the Inside Pass. Welcome back to the Inside Pass here on WSIC. Randy Miller, Tom Baker, Peter Strada, Noah Lewis. We've proven two things during the commercial <laughs> break, that both of those words are actual words if you go over the Urban Dictionary, and none of us have drink uh, vodka tonight, so um, <laughs> yeah. we, we are still in, uh, in good spirits. Time sports. to start. <laughs> well, round number three uh, coming up uh, in Jen, just a second is uh, I'm, I'm going to let uh, Melly get his stuff together over there first and then uh, uh, let you guys know that if you missed any part of the interview with Kaz Grala, you can catch it on demand any point in time this week. Just uh, go to your favorite podcasting website and uh, search uh, Race Chaser Radio or you can search the Inside Pass. They're both on there. And if you want to listen to any of the uh, on-demand versions of our show, Madness or Lead Lab, which is coming up right after this show, Go to racechaseronline.com, and they're all right there for you to hear whenever you want. All right, round number three. GM wants all electric cars by 2035. 
that's going to make GM blank. It's going to transform GM for sure. And with the engine package coming the year after the next-gen car in 2023, we believe that it'll have some electric components to help make more power than the current cup engines do. So the next decade or so for motorsports in general will be very interesting to see how they transition from gas-powered engines to possible electric engines. We've seen this be uh, not so successful with Formula E and other series, but I don't think NASCAR is going to turn into a series with Chevrolet Volts and Toyota Priuses, but... We'll see what happens. It'll be a ne- it'll be an interesting next decade or so to see what happens with engines. It will make GM irrelevant because I don't believe, first of all, we get to that goal by 2035. And second of all, I don't think that in general most people really want it. I don't think these people understand that you still have to recycle all of this green environmental stuff and it's very it's all very very dirty and messy to recycle so i think somewhere between now and the next uh five ten years somebody's gonna have a light bulb moment and realize that a lot of this stuff is a nice theory but it's not actually going to be good long term yeah i think it's gonna make um what they're trying to make it gm is with the times you know we talk about this transition of uh, to electric cars, and it's been very controversial, understandably, within the motorsports world and within our just day to day world. Um, so I think they're make they think it's going to make them with the times. But like Tom said, we don't know uh, how it's going to be by twenty thirty five. And and like you said, I don't think that we'll completely be there by then. No. Um, so it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I, I sentiment all of those uh, statements. My I, the. My part of my brain was going to say that you know it's going to make GM hope there's not a power outage because if it's an electrical yeah. power car, you know, we're going to be stopped for quite some time. But I, there's a lot of working parts that have to go into making these you know race ready cars if we're going to do electric NASCAR in you know 2040 or whatever the case may be because it's going to be a few years after that before NASCAR gets on that bandwagon. But it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next two, two or 20 years or so. The Daytona 500 expecting 30,000 fans is blank. Underwhelming. Daytona International Speedway has grandstand capacity for 101,000 people. I wanted to see this number be at least 50,000, if not 60,000, or maybe something around that number, because the week before at the Super Bowl, the stadium in Tampa holds just over 65,000, and they're having about 20 or 30,000 people, too, I believe. I think with how much larger Daytona is, how much longer that section of grandstands is, I believe it's a mile long. I think that they can fit more people while maintaining social distancing, while maintaining all the CDC guidelines. So seeing that number be so low, I believe that's the same number the All-Star Race at Bristol had this year. Just that number of fans is just underwhelming for me. It is disappointing because I think that, honestly, for all the reasons Peter just stated, we could have put more fans in there. And I think, uh, I mean, at this point in time, we ought to be able to understand that we can put a number of people in one place and do all of the testing and the precautions and all of that 
without still being so scared of this sort of super spreader nonsense that we've all been talking about for months, but that has never really been proven with a lick of science. I mean, I think we just we need to just get out of this mindset of being so afraid of our own shadow at this point and and focus on treatment and cures and leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys 100% on, on how it's underwhelming and uh, it's not what we want to see. We want to see more fans, obviously. And Daytona, like we said, their grandstands are big and wide enough to hold much more at a safe capacity if that's what they're wanting. If they're wanting social distance and, and you have your own kind of section, there is more than enough room to uh, to distance those folks out, more than 30,000 fans. So I am glad, however, that we will have some fans at Daytona, of course. I mean, that is to be expected. That's awesome. Um, but it is a little bit of an underwhelming number. Oh, well, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, so I'm going to say it's awesome because considering where we've been for the last year with no fans on hardly any of the racetracks, having 30,000 fans is going to be like a sellout crowd for most of us for most of the fact that we haven't had fans in the stands for a while. So, Drew Dollar running eight races for KBM is blank. It's very interesting because Drew Dollar's been a standout in ARCA East and in the National ARCA Series for the past couple of years, and him stepping into the flagship KVM truck, that 51, is on paper the best ride in the truck series, so you'd think he'd be up front in contention to win a couple of those eight races, and I'm excited to see him make the next step up into the truck series as part of the Toyota Driver Development Program. I think it's dangerous, and I'm not saying that in the sense that I think Drew's going to go crash, you know, everybody or whatever, and nothing to do with his driving. What, why I say it's dangerous is because all of a sudden you take a kid who's only been racing for about four years now, and you put him into the truck team that gets the most attention out of anybody else in the series and 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 throw him out there for eight races um i think this is a really big stage for him i do believe that he'll be fast i just don't know if he's quite ready to step up into a series as competitive as the truck series and i think it puts him under a great deal of pressure to go perform when otherwise with a different team he might not be under that same spotlight yeah, you kind of stole my uh, point there. I think it's a little overwhelming. I mean, you think of what he's got to jump into. Like you said, it's been one of the best, if not the best, truck um, over the last few years in the truck series. And like you said, with the most attention on it, we see Kyle Busch in, in that truck So, um, from time to time. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is a, a bit of a scary opportunity to jump in, even for just those eight races, because you are expected to jump in and perform in a KBM equipment truck. And right. like you said, he hasn't had um, very, very much experience to be able to to jump in and feel confident about that so uh it's a bit overwhelming to me but i think drew will do great yeah i was gonna say it's, it's pretty much a pressure cooker for him because as tom said it's the 51 it, yep. that's the truck in the yep. kbm yeah. stable and if he doesn't go out and win the race you know kbm kyle bush is probably just going to kick him out and he won't get to run the other seven races <laughs> um, but I, in all i mean in all fairness i mean that is the truck that is the kbm yeah. truck and, and kyle's going to expect that truck in victory lane no matter who's behind the wheel of it because if he can do it everybody else should be able to too so um, there's a lot of things going on at KBM. You know, a new set of drivers coming into the forefront this year for that team for the third consecutive year. Um, so there's a lot of things going on over there that, uh, you know, maybe he can fly under the radar for a little while. But, you know, Kyle expects results. And if those results aren't right. happening, then somebody's getting, yep. you know, getting the back seat. So mm-hmm. uh, that's this will be our probably final question. We've got about a minute and a half left here. The return of the iRacing Invitational is blank. 
it's very questionable because I feel like the luster is worn off from televised I races, no matter who's in the car, even if it's Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon, because it was fun while it was at the height of the pandemic and nothing else was on TV. We were all locked at home with nothing else to do. But I feel like even last year with the last couple I races, it just got old quickly. It's meh. Because I, I think it'll be funny and enjoyable, and yet it won't have the same impact as it had last year because it filled a very big void last year, whereas this year it's just another of the many iRacing series that are out there. Yeah, it's gimmicky to me a little bit. Um, you know, like we said, when we were all stuck at, yeah, when we were all not uh, misconfused, but uh, <laughs> when we were all stuck at home with nothing else to watch, and it was a brand new kind of thing to see all of our guys out there, it was awesome to see. Uh, when we do have our actual racing on, it may not be the best. No, I made us all tied because I really don't care this week. Um, anyway, <laughs> next week. I won. Nick, Misconfused. Nick, will be, Nick no, will be on here. I don't know if he's going to be here for the whole show, but we are going to uh, start Fantasy NASCAR next week because the 500 is the following week, so we got to do Fantasy NASCAR. So we'll, we'll get him on at least to make his picks, if nothing else. And our final four for the championship at the end of the season. That's always fun because nobody's ever right there either. Um, say, so uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Lee Light coming up next. Goodbye, everybody. 